0: Welcome to another episode of Ordinary Old Catholic Me. My subject for this week will be last week's second reading for the 22nd of August 2021. I was actually the lector reading this segment of the New Testament on the 22nd, and as I read it, I said to myself, this is going to be the subject of my next podcast. So here is the reading from Ephesians. Brothers and sisters, be subordinate to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives should be subordinate to their husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of his wife, just as Christ is head of the church, himself the savior of the body as the church is subordinate to christ so wives should be subordinate to their husbands in everything husbands love your wives even as christ loved the church and handed himself over for her to sanctify her cleansing her by the bath of water with the word that he might present to himself the church in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish so also husbands should love their wives as their own bodies he who loves his wife loves himself for no one hates his own flesh but rather nourishes and cherishes it even as christ does the church because we are members of his body for this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh this is a great mystery, but I speak in reference to Christ and the Church. What you should know, and many of you who are Catholic do know, and who attend church do know, is that there are two permitted versions of this reading. The longer version, which I just read, and the shorter version, which is permitted by the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. I think it will be useful to my discussion my self-discussion, because you can't talk to me. It would be nice if you could. Maybe at some point I'll be able to get advanced enough for you to be able to do that, but here's the shorter version. Brothers and sisters, live in love as Christ loved us. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and handed himself over for her to sanctify her, cleansing her by the bath of water with the word. That he might present to himself the church in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish so also husbands should love their wives as their own bodies he who loves his wife loves himself for no one hates his own flesh but rather nourishes and cherishes it even as christ does the church because we are members of his body For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak in reference to Christ and the church. You notice any difference between the two? In the second reading, the wife's obligation is basically muted as to be removed, the part where she's asked to be subordinate to her husband. Well, as we know it's considered politically incorrect to suggest that a woman should ever be subordinate to her husband. And uh, even this last weekend, after I read the longer version on my own, with the tad of discomfort that comes with what if people get mad at me for being a traitor to my sex and gender. But I did read it because more and more I've come to understand it and to believe it and to realize that it is the paradigm that we need if we're going to ever survive in this society. But interestingly, I didn't see a text that came from my pastor, who wasn't the celebrant that mass, but the text was, please do the longer version. I had. I don't know whether he expected me not to if he had not suggested it. That's something I'll have to ask him one of these days. But I can tell you that over the years, it has been pretty routine that the longer version was not being read because the priest who was celebrating said, I want the shorter version. Not explaining why, but probably with the same level of discomfort that frankly comes of being beholden to the secular world above all else. And certainly when you read the definitions of the world in the dictionaries, you find out that it's considered lower in rank than somebody else, that the person who is subordinate is under the authority of another or even the control of another. And so because of that, it gets this really bad rap. It also means to place something or to rank something one above the other. One is subordinate to another. Sometimes you have to take a certain set of ideas and subordinate others. In the Latin, sub means lower or under, and ordinate means the ordering of things. And when you look at it that way, as the order of things, and there is an order of things in nature all around us. There's order in organizations. There's order in school. There's ordering in the government. Some things have more authority over other things. Some people have more authority over other things. Those people who have authority often have more responsibility towards the other. You and I, male, female, are subordinate all the time to the rules of our city, our state, our nation. A child is subordinate to its parents. If it weren't subordinate, it probably would be in danger all the time because a child will do anything without thinking before the age of reason so somebody has to protect that child the person who is subordinate is to obey and obey actually comes from two latin words or partial latin words one is ob to toward, and the other one is odire, to listen to hear to give an ear to that's something that where everybody is in charge we don't do very much anymore we don't give ear to the other we don't listen to the other here's a question why as Catholic women, as Catholic people, do we object to the idea of subordination. It's a reality of life. But more than that, guess who, remember we're Catholics, Catholic Christians, guess who was subordinate and obeyed? Jesus Christ. Jesus is, was the second person of the Trinity. God made man and he was subordinate to the first person of the Trinity, God the Father. In the triumvirate, that is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You know, in our hubris, our human hubris, destroying the reality of God in our own minds, because he's not destroyed by us, we have forgotten that the family, the father, the mother, the child, the ideal, mirrors, reflects the Trinity. Jesus was obedient to his Father, as we are asked to be obedient to God, to be subordinate to God. But you object in your best 21st century outrage voice. But it's only the woman who's got to do it. And that's not fair. Just a couple of points. It wasn't very fair what happened to Jesus Christ, but it restored our relationship with him, his subordinate behavior to God the Father, and to allow creatures who were truly less than him in terms they were God. Well, he allowed them to destroy him in order to save us. And second, got to remember to read and absorb the entirety of the passage. Well, you might say, who is she to tell me about this? Well, I don't know if I have any credibility, but I can tell you I'm coming at it from the point of a single person who has never married, and has never had children, and so has never managed to be subordinate in that sense. And I'm going to tell you a little secret. I don't regret my life particularly, but I wish I had had someone that I could be subordinate to. One day, maybe there'll be a separate program on this idea that being a single woman in the world is such a wonderful thing. It's okay, but it ain't all it's cracked up to be. We were sold a bill of goods. Now, I have to honestly say that it wasn't because I was sold a bill of goods that I ended up being single. It was a combination of circumstances, a perfect storm of circumstances. But one of them is the culture in which I lived. And unfortunately, that culture sold us the idea that women didn't need men any more than a fish needed a bicycle. So, as a single woman who never married, I can tell you that I wouldn't mind right this very minute being able to be subordinate to somebody that would protect me and would hold me and do things for me, like take out the trash. I'm being facetious, that's not the only thing. But when you get through your career and you take care of all that business that passes, you find yourself without a family, people to care for, that are yours to care for, and that reciprocally will care for you. So the second thing, when the passage says husbands love your wives, it adds, even as Christ loved the church and handed himself over for her to sanctify her, cleansing her by the bath of water and the word, by subordinating himself. His love was his subordination. So the husband is expected effectively also to subordinate himself. We are so limited in how we look at things. And quite frankly, because we're cutting off things like the Bible and all of the thoughts and philosophies of the Western civilization, we are impairing ourselves. We are being destructive to ourselves with all of this, well, I'm just as good as you. Of course. Wife and husband are just as good as one another, but each has a very specific role. You can't banish the roles just because you feel like you want to. Maybe in the first half of the 20th century, if I were an adult, I would have been a spinster anyway. Who knows what the confluence of circumstances would have been, but I think I would have had a better chance at being married and having this relationship husband wife and child if a husband truly loves his wife truly loves her then he would never make her a submissive she will be subordinate of her own accord of her own free will just like you and i are expected to be subordinate to jesus christ to god the father and god the holy spirit of our own free will when we say husbands love your wives we tend again to narrow it into something that is purely romance and sensual and sexual. But there's something called agape, where your love is total, it's sacrificial, again, like Jesus Christ, selfless and without condition. It doesn't depend on the subordination of the wife. You know, the church is called the bride of Christ. You know what that means? That the church is subordinate to christ well it's supposed to be unfortunately we see too much evidence these days that prelates and laity alike are vying to be in charge to not be subordinate but to be in charge of our lord himself and it's costing us to be subordinate to someone who wishes only your best your good is an easy thing oh and by the way the very beginning of that letter to the ephesians says be subordinate to one another out of reverence for Christ. We don't live in a world of context, in a universe of context anymore, at least as human beings tend to construct it for themselves. So if I look at the history of of the world as best as I can in my education, the history of the theology of Catholicism, and I decide to overrule it and announce to the world that to be single is the best state ever. that it should be the norm, it should be a norm, then I think I'm ignoring reality. My single life, which is what it is, has some good elements about it, has some challenges, like all things do, but what it isn't is the ideal of human existence, unless you're set aside, you're consecrated for something else, to be a priest, to be a nun, As I was uh, doing what I often do, going through the internet and looking at things related to this subject, I ran across a summary of an audience of Pope Francis in 2014 related to marriage and this very subject, the sacrament itself, and its reflection of the Trinity. When a man and a woman celebrate the sacrament of marriage, God, so to speak, is mirrored in them. He marks them with his features and the indelible character of his love. Even God is a communion of the three persons of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, who live forever and are forever in perfect unity. And this is the mystery of marriage. God makes one existence of the two spouses, the Bible says one flesh, in the image of his love, in the communion which draws its origin and its strength from God. Another quote. The real wedding gift is this. Your marriage is a reflection of the Holy Trinity, and with the grace of Christ, you are a living and credible icon, God and his love. The plan that is inherent in the sacrament of marriage is truly wonderful. It takes place in the simplicity and also the fragility of the human condition. The important thing is to keep alive the link with God, which is the basis of the marital bond. I have to admit that as a single person, I've always been uncomfortable with another single person who tells me that they're in love with the Lord as if they're having some kind of a dating relationship. But again, that's because I think in human terms. I don't think in God's terms. I'm limited. I wonder if I had been more aware of the supernatural nature in many ways of marriage. Supernatural in that it mirrors the life of the Holy Trinity. I might have been better at the possibility of finding someone to have a relationship with in marriage. I think if I had looked at it in a less selfish way about just me, if I had looked at it in terms of truly an I and thou relationship, one in which I was, yes indeed, subordinate in so far as it would have been someone to whom I would be desirous of listening to and binding myself to, I might have had a better bit of luck. And of course I was caught up in a culture that basically said that marriage wasn't even necessary. And so that was a complication as well. And since I didn't accept that and really wasn't very good at negotiating the waters, I just engaged in a moratorium and hoped for the best. But I still have a chance to obey to listen to, to be subordinate to, and be protected by our Lord. So, all is not lost. In fact, there is much to gain. But I guess the point of this particular podcast, one day late I might add, I will give a slight explanation just as we go rolling into the quote credits, is that maybe we modern women need to rethink Our reflexive antipathy to the letter to the Ephesians as it relates to the relationship between a man and a woman. The fact is, both have a very profound role and, effectively, in some ways, an equally hard road to purvey in the relationship. But if done rightly, what a glory in this life in anticipation of the even better glory of the next one. We keep acting as if this world is not passing. Everything we do here is a preparation for the next world. Of course, I always have the disclaimer that that's true only if you're a believer. I actually think it's true whether you're a believer or not, but be that as it may, it is surely true objectively and subjectively for the believer. So I'm thinking the next time I read that passage in Ephesians, I will not have that slight sense of discomfort because I realize that this is as God ordained it and so I should embrace it, even though I am a single person and I will never get to experience it. And so ends another slightly delayed episode of Ordinary Old Catholic Me. Yesterday, which was Saturday, was a bit of a difficult day for me. I just couldn't manage to do it. Not that necessarily was really anything horrible. It's just that I had worked myself into a tizzy. And now, I'm out of the tizzy for now. And I hope to see you next week on a Saturday on Ordinary Old Catholic Me.